Hi guys, welcome back to Wildest Krieger's Stories. I'm Craig. And I'm Carolina. And we've been absent for a while, haven't we? Yes. Well, we did say in the last podcast we were talking about like how we sometimes are struggling to find the time to do the podcast. And we received so many messages from you guys saying like, don't worry, like post it when you can. Like don't stress about posting it exactly the same like time yeah every second week and whatever like post it when you guys can and we like we enjoy it when you guys post so that was really sweet and we appreciate that yeah that was yeah it was really really nice but it was also good for us to kind of take a break yeah and like take the pressure off a little yeah, bit yeah just kind of just kind of kick back and chill and we actually we well for those of you who don't know who may be listening to this podcast for the first time we're a podcast series covering wildlife <laughs> um photography and conservation as a whole. We took some downtime down at the beach, actually. Yes, we went to Hermanus uh, and we spent a few days in Cape Town yeah. as well. Now, for those of you who don't know who Hermanus is, it's just up the east coast from Cape Town. Yeah. And it's about an hour and 45 minute drive to two hours from yeah. cape town itself yeah and that was really really nice we were there for a, a wedding of uh, two clo- close friends to, of ours uh, so that was fantastic and that was the like initial reason that we were there and then with this wedding a lot of like old mates came together uh, who now love, like live in, in different parts of the world and stuff. So yeah, that pretty was much. Yeah. A bit of like a reunion, I think, especially from, from your side uh, who have mm. known these people for years. Uh, so that was really, really nice. And I think in general, like it was so good for us to go somewhere on holiday that it was not the bush. <laughs> yeah, you know, sense. it's because... It's, like to be honest the bush is our life we love the bush it's like we wouldn't be living the life we live if we didn't love the bush yeah but i mean it almost it wastes kind of seems that whenever we go to the bush no matter how much we tell each other okay let's make this a holiday and it's not work we end up doing work yes because it's the bush and we're like oh that's a cool shot we should get oh that's a cool shot yeah or maybe we should photograph this at this lodge or maybe we should do and even if it is a holiday we're all we're we're almost always working yeah um and it was really nice to just get down to the beach and kind of or hermanus and and just kind of switch off yeah i think it was easier for us to switch off because we were in a completely different environment like that change of scenery i think is really really important uh and as you said like obviously we love the bush and i'm missing the bush like crazy right now even Mm. though i've been spending so much time in it lately um but you know as you say like whenever we go to the bush and we let's say we go to Kruger for like a weekend uh, and we say like this is not working this is just us you know switching off we don't 100% completely switch off because as you say like for me I will always have my camera with me and I will be wanting to take photos and I will be focusing on that and I will maybe post them on social media or think about how I can like get some real content or whatever it might be and like with that, those kind of thoughts will be going in our mind when we're in the bush yeah. and I think also just being in that environment because that is our job you know that is our work environment if that makes sense even though we absolutely love it and we love going on holidays in it as well we don't completely switch off Mm-mm, we can't I mean it's in, when you've lived when you've lived in it for as 
as long as we have i mean it's <laughs> it's really difficult to to actually completely switch off yeah and treat it as a as a proper vacation and like on that topic, I know this is a bit of a side note and we're going to get into the actual topic of the episode, but just thought, you know, let the conversation flow. But um, that is also like something we've had to learn to do as running our own business. Uh, and I think we've mentioned it before. We've spoken about it before, like mm. how important it is for us to not work on weekends uh, unless we're hosting guests because then like obviously we'll be working anyway but um but when we do like when we have those weeks that we call admin weeks we try to work admin nine to five and like put our phones away in the evening don't answer emails at like seven eight o'clock in the evening uh like i don't go into my instagram in the in the evenings because i know i get stuck into work mode and yeah like i struggle to sleep and i struggle to like switch off completely and then on weekends we also try to switch off and that is something we've really had to work with and i think that is something that a lot of people like understand when they see our social media and they're like oh you guys are living the dream life and stuff and yes we do like we definitely do but there's also the side of it of like trying to switch off and actually get like this is our job and to get time off work is also sometimes difficult it is difficult it's tricky to kind of manage because like you said we are we live in the world that we work in as well where most people that have a nine-to-five job they go to the office and they still have their private life i was mm-hmm. kind of kind of is one it is you know one, yeah. um and so yeah it is it is difficult to to find time so it is we try we've got to manage it and if anyone is looking for like advice to to manage that i think me and carolina have gotten quite good at it yeah Yeah, i think just manage your time i remember in the beginning it was so difficult but but in the beginning we also we were a bit dumb we we were like working constantly yeah just go 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 yeah and then i I found myself like hitting a bit of burnout and i was like wait this is not good Mm. let me try to find a balance in this air so that we don't get tired of working with our passion like you know what I mean? Because if you if you don't have that balance, you're going to start, like, hating what you do instead of loving it, yeah, if that makes sense. exactly. But now for the topic of yes. the day. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about um, photography gear and the importance of it and how relevant it is to um, the photographer itself and a safari experience. Yes, because... <laughs> why I think this is a, a good topic is because I sometimes will post a reel and the thing is by now I know when I post it that this is going to trigger some people when I post <laughs> a reel and I'm like what my phone see versus what my camera oh, see wow. yeah, or like big one. what my phone captures versus what my camera captures or something um, and there is always always someone in the comments who's like oh but if you can take great photos with a phone oh if you a real photographer you should know how to get good photos with a phone literally i've just bought the iphone 15 and (laughs) honestly everyone can shut the fuck up because it still has nothing on a mirrorless camera but that's the thing and i think most people who comment like that they know zero about photography and i think like what i want to start by saying is that I'm not saying that you can't take good photos on a phone. You can take really nice photos. There is photographers out there who's really, like, honestly made it their 
thing. It's their thing, yeah. To yeah. take good photos on a, on an iPhone, and you can get so creative. You can get such cool angles, and you can really play around with it, and you can get some mind blowing stuff. Like, I'm not saying that for fo- that iPhones only take bad photos. That's not what I'm saying. No. But there's certain qualities that professional gear has that an iPhone or a f- smartphone in general does not have. Can you go through some of those qualities, please? So, so people that think an iPhone, <laughs> this puny little iPhone, that I actually have the top of the top and still know it does not capture what, what the equipment can, can, can a professional photographic equipment can. Can you just go through a few things so we can just give method to our madness yes so well so the first the first thing that is very very important is the sensor size and some of the newer smartphones will be like advertising that they have like a 46 megapixel sensor size whatever whatever. and i'm not 100 sure on the technical sides of this but i was talking to a guest of mine who is very very clued up on all these technical things and I, i was asking him about it and i was like how come they can actually get that, like, amount of megapixels uh, with such a small camera? Because, mm. you know, you're actually talking about the size of the z- sensor and you're talking about, you know, the megapixels and stuff. And now I'm going to sound like a very unreliable source because I can't remember the exact details that he was talking oh about. <laughs> but they basically do certain things like, capture multiple photos that then get stitched together uh, in the camera in, in the phone itself and also like just cram in megapixels in a very very small area um to make it like more megapixels and stuff and i think he was also saying like if you look at the fine prints and stuff it is depends on which like lens that you're using you know on, on like an iphone for example you have your wide angle you have normal yeah. and you've got your telephoto and what 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 so those things also make a difference. Um, and when you look at the fine prints and the technical side of it, it is not equivalent to, it's not the same thing as a 42 megapixel camera, uh, like mirrorless camera. Yep. It is n- not the same. I think the quality. point is what people are saying, what people need to understand is the quality, the, it, it, it cannot be the exact same it cannot we are not yeah it's physically impossible to have the technologies that you have in a professional mirrorless camera or even dslr for that matter in a phone that size or in a camera that it's physically impossible at this stage in the technological field yeah so um we're not saying iphones and samsung's don't take good photos that's not what we're saying at all we're just saying that the people that argue that they say, ah, oh, they can take as good a photo as a professional uh, photographer, uh, a professional camera can. That is something we strongly disagree with. And there's evidence that points to that. Exactly. I think the big thing is also like, yes, you can take bad photos with a camera as well. If mm. you don't know what you're doing, like that's also the thing, like you need the knowledge to utilize the equipment obviously and like i think something for example like me with the photographic knowledge i probably take better iphone photos than your average person who don't have the photographic knowledge because my mother 
for an example, <laughs> yeah, like, that loves to click that iPhone photo button. <laughs> exactly. And like, <laughs> who doesn't know about like different angles and light conditions and how to, how to work with that. Um, and like, I got the, the comment from a friend of ours, uh, we going to her 30th birthday party uh, in a couple of weeks. And she was like, oh, it's going to be so great. Like you always take such nice photos. Uh, even when you're just not thinking about it, you take photos of stuff that I don't even notice. And I think that's because of my, like of being a photographer, I notice things that other people mm-hmm. don't notice. And then I will end up taking better photos because I have that backup knowledge. Um, but if I bring my phone versus my camera, I would obviously take better photos with my camera with the same amount of skills, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Anyway, another thing that I do, like from a technical side of things to get back to like phone versus camera is obviously when you talk about wildlife photography, a big, 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 big difference is your lenses and your telephoto lenses. Mm. And in that, you know, that is such, such a big part of wildlife photography is being able to zoom in and get close to the animals. And no matter like anyone who's been on safari and have had an experience where you are very close to an animal like let's say if it's an elephant walking past your vehicle or a lion that like is sleeping right next to the road or whatever it might be like they feel like they're so close and they can be a couple of meters away but you will still not be able to capture that with a phone anyone who's been on safari and have had that experience have tried and will know what i'm talking about like you do not capture the same thing with a phone mm. because you do not have the same zoom and again you were talking about like the iphone 15 now has the like telephoto lens and whatever and that is i think it's, it's equivalent to 70 millimeters if i'm not wrong and that is not a lot in wildlife no it's not a lot at all as soon as you zoom to in too much i remember because we we were in hermanus recently and we had a few whales that were in front of our house and yeah sorry just being blasé about that so it, it was <laughs> it was pretty experience. incredible it was amazing these <laughs> whales were right in front of our house it was they were breaching it was uh, it was, it was out of this world but it's not the point of the story not the point of the story <laughs> but yeah i wasn't just brushing that off if anyone thought i was like just being blasé about it but we were, i was zooming in on on one of these whales and it was in Incredibly interesting to how pixelated the images came the more and more and more you zoomed in. And don't get me wrong, the iPhone 15 is still better than I think the 14, 13 and models previously brought out by iPhone. But it's still got nothing on 100 to 400 mil lens. No, exactly. Or 100 to 600 mil lens. Yeah. Uh, when you're zooming in, um, it's going to hold a lot more quality than this puny little camera that's in the iphone 15 yeah absolutely and that's the thing it's just it's just a matter of quality that does but again doesn't mean you can't take good photos and if you're creative about it you can get some really cool stuff but it's not going to give you the same results as a camera yeah and then also like you start talking about stuff like you know uh, low light uh, handling and you know iso and um and also f-stop on your mm-hmm. lenses mm-hmm. and that's that's also plays a big big part in photography and that's where you know your phone will be lacking in like low light conditions and so on so you know these are just a few of the things where a camera will have an advantage to a phone 100 percent. but just to be the the little sales rep for 
iPhone right now, I have noticed that in low light conditions, the iPhone 15 is spectacular. Mm. It's really, really good. No, it's nothing on a it's nothing on a professional camera. Don't get me wrong, but it is better than any phone I've ever handled before. In like low light conditions, it's brilliant. Sometimes I also actually do like when it gets really, really dark mm. and and like I'm like okay, my eyes so it's just gonna be too crazy on my camera now. So then I just take photos uh, vi- videos with my phone yeah. but those are videos that are like oh let's rather get stuff for behind the scenes or for you know reels or whatever uh, it's not videos and photos that i'll use professionally because the quality won't be as good because of all the reasons that we just said but i do agree with you that the low light conditions can be really good yeah on a phone. I, i've been really impressed with this actually i have been just impressed with the i uh, the the 15 camera i mean it, it's just been it's been amazing um but again like i i think i respect people that are creative and some people even run these iphone photography courses Mm -hmm. and i think they're amazing teaching people how to be creative with their phone and you can take amazing images but it's just in two different leagues if you understand what i'm saying i just feel like you can take great photos you just you you can't the the further away your subject is with an iphone or Samsung or whatever phone camera, the worse your image is going to be. Mm. Whereas that's not necessarily the case with a professional camera and a hundred to four hundred or a hundred to six hundred mil lens. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. I think it's 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 almost like comparing apple and oranges. Like it's just as you say, they're completely different. They're both good. <laughs> and I think to like I think we've proven our our point yeah. a little bit, but um. And yeah, just to, when I say again, it doesn't mean you can't take good photos with a phone. Like hundred percent, you can take good photos with a phone. Like absolutely, but there's certain things that a camera will do better. And like I want to say to all these people who are like, oh, but I, like phones are superior and like phones are better. Like it's just useless. Like using a camera. Okay, on your wedding day, do you want the photographer to be running around with a phone? Yeah. And that be your wedding photos? No, you don't. Uh, and do you think that all the professional photographers of the world are spending hundreds of thousands on camera gear if they could just use their phone instead? No, obviously not. Like, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. But what I want to move away from, because we're comparing apple and oranges, let's just compare oranges. <laughs> Let's just compare oranges. <laughs> I don't know if you can say it like that. But anyway. But yeah, guys, just to end off the phone versus camera debate that we've had is don't let this stop you taking photos with your phone. No. Like, I mean, phone photography is amazing and you can get really, really good images with them. But I just would... What, what we're trying to say is stop comparing. Yeah. There's no comparison to, like Carolina said, apples and oranges. But now on to oranges. On to oranges. So what I'm thinking I want to move on to is like, okay, how much of a difference does it make to spend a lot of money on your camera gear? Like, what is the difference between the, like, cheaper camera to, like, something like an A1 or R5 or a Z9? You know, like, what is the, what is the actual difference? And does it make you a better photographer when you have more expensive gear because i think that is also a very important topic to cover and and uh, something that's very interesting to dive into no for sure i think um i i think the 
the differences, like you said, in the models and the cameras and how um, I, or I've always broken them down when I've spoken to people about it, having beginner, intermediate and professional models mm. of your camera. And I think it does make a big difference, but it, I think it comes down to, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is how much the person is willing to invest. And then the follow-up question from our side would be, how often are you going to use your camera? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. But yeah, I think I want to talk a little bit about, and I think we'll move into also like, okay, recommendations of cameras because it is something that I get questions about a lot. And at the end of the day, like there is a reason professional photographers spend the amount of money that they do on certain cameras. Like there is a reason behind that because it does help them improve and it does help them to achieve certain things with their photography that they wouldn't be able to do with cheaper gear. But that doesn't mean that you need to invest that much in a camera to become a good photographer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think as soon as you start um, wanting to encourage people to buy equipment, I think it you you can't... You can't put someone that's been shooting for 20, 30 years um, and then have someone that wants to get into it and expect them to spend that amount of money. No, of course. But I also think like what people are missing here is like uh, when you are starting out as a photographer and you are mm. a beginner, you do not have the knowledge that is necessary to get the most out of the high-end cameras yeah. and high-end equipment you do not have that knowledge and do you remember the people that used to come to the lodges and they used to have oh all this fancy gear and shoots on auto it was the uh, worst thing and i think we've funny. mentioned it before like and that's the thing that's the people who have been like okay let me just buy the most expensive thing and then i'm just gonna go out and shoot on auto and they show you this photo and you're like they're like oh look look how great and i'm like no not really like you you could have gotten something so much better with yeah, that, that equipment. But this is the thing. like You so, could have gotten that photo with your iPhone. <laughs> yes. Well, pretty much. Sometimes it was like that. It was honestly. like that, yeah. But I think... Uh, so I think what I'm trying to... Like, the point that I'm trying to get across is that, like, better... Like, with cameras, when it comes to camera gear, you do get what you pay for. Like... Yeah. There I is agree. There is a reason why professionals spend the amount of money that they do on their camera gear because it does give them something else but what i was going to get to is is that doesn't mean you should because you probably won't notice the difference you because you will not have the knowledge of like the specific niche that this photographer is shooting in and that's why they need this specific camera because of these specific technical reasons or whatever it might be you as a beginner won't have that knowledge and won't have that those criteria when you get started also like we have seen as we said we've seen people arrive with the most expensive gear and not have any idea of how to use it we've also seen people use like lenses like a 2.8 lens i think is a really really good example like a a 400 2.8 is an incredible lens it is definitely a lens that i hope i'll be able to invest in in the future because i know that it gives me something else with my photography that i'm not able to achieve but you also moment. understand the tech 
the basically technical side of a 2.8 that's what i mean like i understand that because i'm a professional and i there's like big reasons behind why i would want a lens like that but it doesn't help sorry to interrupt you no go ahead so it doesn't help if you get a 2.8 lens and you still shoot on 8.5 exactly (laughs) you know what i'm saying exactly and uh, that's the thing that some people do who invest in this in this equipment equipment without knowing what how to use it, and we've also seen people use a lens like that and really struggle because it is a very big mm. and heavy lens. They are becoming lighter and lighter, but it is still a heavy on the heavy side. It's a very like big lens that is difficult to maneuver, and something that people forget when you're shooting with two point eight. It is such a low f-stop with such a short uh, foc- uh, focal plane, plane of focus, um, that you need to be pin sharp on it with your focus on the eyes. If you should yeah. do like a portrait, for example, if you get it a little bit wrong and you get the focus on the nose, the eyes are out of focus. That's how that's how short it is. And you also need to have the knowledge that like, okay, now I'm shooting a portrait and the animal is very close. Let me like shoot on a on a no on a higher f-stop so Mm. more narrow aperture to get more in focus so that i don't only have the flipping eyelashes in focus yeah you know remember when we were shooting um content with my 85 1.4 yeah then we have a problem like that where you literally just get the eyelash in focus and then like the rest of the face is out of focus so you need to have that knowledge to be able to know when to up your f-stop and when not to and when to use the advantage of the of the 2.8 and that's the thing like if you do not have that knowledge you're not going to get the full potential out of that potential out of that lens and you're probably going to struggle more than it will actually help you if that makes sense for sure and i think it just comes down to the fact that investing in that lens if you're a beginner is pointless oh yeah for sure. because yes i'm not saying forever it will be pointless but for you to invest in that lens now is it's just it because you're not going to understand it exactly. you're not going to be able to use it number one it's going to be heavy so most of your shots are going to be blurry you're you haven't had enough time to kind of work in how heavy it is especially if you buy it just before you go on safari mm. and you're not going to get the shots you want uh, i mean Absolutely. how many times have we seen that actually happen oh for sure and also but then to like move on to cameras uh like the camera that i've just bought i I've done so much research about what specific like technical sides of that camera and how they will work for me. What's the pros and cons for me, you know, weighing it between other, other cameras and all the different options that, that are available. And the thing is at the end of the day, I chose that camera because I find it perfect for me and it's the type of shooting that I do in my style of photography. And, and that was my like, active choice and the cons with the camera i am happy to deal with because the pros with it is what works very very well for me but it is a very high-end camera and if i gave that to a beginner and said go out and shoot they would not be able to get the same photos that i that i can get because they don't have the same knowledge of how to utilize the equipment if that makes sense so for example uh, something that you know you have to get used to when you start shooting mirrorless and that is a learning curve and that I think a lot of beginners struggle with and that I've also seen people 
literally turn off this function because they're struggling to deal with it, even though that is something that should be helping them, is the AI tracking. Mm. And if you do not know how to deal with it, Even that, I struggled with it. See, that's the thing. Like, you will struggle with it because it is a little bit of more of a complicated uh, setting and tool. And if you do not know how to use it, you will find it super frustrating because you will only feel like it's catching the wrong stuff and it's not focusing where you want it to and so on. And a lot of people actually turn it off because they just get frustrated with it and they're like, no, I'm just going to turn it off and just shoot on normal like spot focusing. But there's also nothing wrong with that. No, of course you not. Know? But I think, what I'm, what I, yeah, absolutely, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. If people need to do that, absolutely. I wish people would more do that more because you know like i think having that admitting that you can't and then switching back to the spot focusing i think that's that's what i would encourage people to do if they can't get the come to grips with the eye tracking oh, for sure for sure but what i'm saying is they're not getting the full potential out of the camera oh, 100%. and they're not uh, and you know i would say absolutely do that while you're learning and so on but try like i would also encourage people to do try to learn how to utilize the AI tracking mm. and how to work with that. But the thing is, if you haven't had enough practice with normal autofocus, spot focusing, then you're not, you're going to struggle with the AI tracking, if that makes sense. And what I've done on my camera is I have one button for AI tracking and one button for spot focusing uh, so that I can switch between them when it's necessary. But, uh, but that does take a lot of learning and like, knowledge to do if that makes sense and when to use it when not to use it and that's what i mean i think you know if you give people a camera with all these like very intricate tools and uh, and functions they will it will rather uh, limit them than actually what do you call it like give them the chance to grow if it's, that makes sense uh, limit them rather than over assisting them yeah, I guess that's what I'm looking for. Um, so I think that's a thing. Like when it comes to all these expensive gear and these, this is expensive equipment. Yeah, it does not just it just doesn't make you a better photographer just because it's there. Because if you do not have the knowledge to use it, you will not be able to utilize it. I think now what we can chat a little bit about is, um, or what we want to chat about is. What is ideal from an equipment point of view uh, going out into the field? Because, you know, a lot of people would be like, say, for instance, we use the wedding as an example and wedding photography <laughs> as an example. And um, it would be it would be quite frustrating if someone said, oh, yeah, my wedding photography if I was using this equipment and I want to use I, I brought that equipment to come on safari. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you need to understand the game as to which game you're playing. So, you know, uh, landscape photography, wedding photography, portrait photography, wildlife photography, it's all a different game. Mm. And there's different equipment for it. So I think we're going to chat a little bit about what equipment we think fits best from an intermediate level. We're not going to talk professional. We're not going to talk beginner. We're going to talk a little bit about intermediate equipment as to what you can bring on Safari and which brands we think are the best to work with yes i think that's a great thing to chat about because it is a question that i get a lot i will say though that i prefer not talking about brands Fair because enough. i honestly 
hate the whole discussion of like which brand is the best and yeah like oh canon is better than nikon and sony is better than this and whatever because it is just simply not true yeah these big brands are big for a reason and they all bring out incredible cameras and it's only when you start looking at like the very very details that there's differences between them and that is honestly when you're just getting very nerdy about it and then you it kind of ends up being about personal preference so like i find that discussion quite ridiculous so i'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about brands if that makes sense but uh, definitely want to talk about like what cameras you can look at like what type of cameras that you can look at and all all the things that we're going to talk about now uh, these big brands like canon nikon sony fuji uh, and uh, om systems they all have a version of of this so whichever brand you prefer like you can go and look up their version of the cameras and stuff that we're going to talk about and uh, but i think one thing that I do want to mention, a big tip, and I know we're going to talk about a little bit more about intermediate, but a big tip for beginners, like very, very beginners, or someone who's literally just looking for a camera to like point and shoot and bring on their travels that isn't too heavy, that isn't too complicated, that isn't, that you don't have to worry about lenses and stuff. Go look at bridge cameras. Uh, it is a camera with a fixed lens. And they are really, really, really good to get started with because you don't have to worry about changing lenses and stuff. And they also have amazing zoom. So for safaris, they are great. Uh, and they take really good videos as well. So that is definitely a, a tip for anyone who's looking for like just a camera to kind of bring on their travels that isn't too heavy and they don't have to worry too much about like all the things around it, if that makes sense. Like we've had a we've had a good couple of guests that have actually brought bridge cameras um, on our safaris, not on our photographic safaris, obviously, but like just as standard clients, and they've really enjoyed it. And I've actually, I must be honest, I think I've been really impressed with the image quality and the video quality has been amazing. So, like Karina said, if you're someone that doesn't do a lot of photography but and but goes to like nature reserves two or three times a year and is not that into photography um but still wants to get good photos um bridge camera is probably the way to go absolutely yeah but if you are looking at you know you wanting to do this more of like as a hobby quite a lot uh you know you're enjoying photography you want to you want to invest in something with like better quality and you know start learning all the all the settings and post-processing and all that kind of stuff then obviously dslr or mirrorless is the way to go. And I think we, we can talk about the difference a little bit. Um, DSLR are fantastic still. Like we know the world is moving towards mirrorless. We both have just made the move to mirrorless cameras mm -hmm. and there's a reason behind that. Uh, we're seeing all the brands are kind of, like they're not bringing out new DSLR models anymore. They're all just bringing out new mirrorless stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean that DSLR is completely dead. Uh, DSLR still takes really, really good photos and is still competing. You know, you can still compete with the mirrorless models. There's certain things that make, like mirrorless makes easier, like your autofocus and all that kind of stuff. But DSLR is still a really great option, especially if you are on a bit of a budget, you can get such great quality stuff at the moment 
secondhand because the prices on DSLR are going down because the world is moving towards mirrorless. Uh, but if you do have the budget for it and if you're looking at like more of a long-term investment uh, and you want to get on mirrorless right away, I would recommend doing that because then you don't have to make the switch at a later stage, if that makes sense. Um, but another tip there is uh, DSLR lenses are also, you know, at a very uh, good price range at the moment. Uh, you get a lot of value for money there and you can just put an adapter on uh, and you're good to go. Like, honestly, the adapter between a DSLR lens to a mirrorless camera doesn't like drop that much quality doesn't drop the quality some people actually say it even increases the quality so like don't worry about that and uh, the only thing is that the DSLR lenses are a bit heavier but you know that's kind of the case with yeah. any big cameras um so yeah there's there's that bit of a difference between DSLR and mirrorless so what I think you guys must understand is that uh, DSLR lenses uh, the lifespan will hold a lot longer than the camera itself. Um, it does still deteriorate with age, but at a lot slower rate. Um, the DSLR cameras, uh, because they they have a shutter, um, the the they and they have a shutter count, and when the shutter count runs out, that's pretty much your your camera done, right? <laughs> it's almost like uh, you know, for those who don't know, it's almost like the mileage of a car. Mm. Uh, and you know, the more and some you can search your your um your camera model online and it will tell you what the um kind of it's like a recommendation, like the recommended shutter count is. Uh, and then after that, like the basically the cam camera manufacturer have said like after that you are losing quality yeah. you, the camera is deteriorating it's usually quite a lot though like it it's usually, is usually about quite a lot 200 to 300,000 shots yeah so uh, most professional models will be like 200,000 300,000 or something like up in the hundreds of thousands um but then you have like your more uh, beginner like intermediate models and so on they might have something like a 50,000 or something like that and that's also why they are intermediate and beginner, beginner models. models yeah. Um. so, you know, that that's just something to be aware of. And that is good to look at when you're buying camera secondhand. That is basically like a determination of what price point that camera should be at. It just shows you, same thing as a mileage of a car. It shows you how long that camera has been going for and like how much the previous person had been shooting with it and so on. Um. so... But what we're going to say about like lenses is that they don't lose their quality the same way uh, because, you know, they're just on the camera. There's no like there's fewer moving parts and so on. Um, so a lens holds the quality for much longer. So you can find a lens that is like 10 years old, 15 years old, that still takes really good photos depending on the lens quality and so on as well and how it's been looked after and how it's been looked after for sure and uh, so like that is something that's really good to keep in mind that buying lenses second hand you can get such great quality stuff for a much better price 
It's like, like Carolina, it's like a car. It's like buying a second-hand car. When you buy a second-hand car, you look at service history, you look at, exactly. you look at uh, how much damage, has it been in accidents, has it been in this, you know? You need to, when you're investing in second-hand camera equipment, you need to look at those things as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And the base thing that I could recommend doing is, if you are looking at second-hand camera equipment, is going to, and I think we've mentioned this before in mm, previous podcasts, yeah, but it's to but, go to uh, second-hand dealers because they will usually like they will have a system of how they check the camera gear and they will make sure that okay this is this price point this and this uh, like quality and they'll have like a rating system uh, that determines how well the camera or lens have been looked after and so on and, mm. and kind of the quality it's in and then they usually also have something like a six-month warranty, warranty yeah, yeah, yeah. or even a year warranty depending on the place and that is really really helpful when you as a, like if you do not have the knowledge of what to look for uh you know you can feel quite secure going through a second-hand dealership um, if in my opinion because we I, I bought my equipment secondhand and um like i think if they're not gonna offer you at least a six-month warranty i don't think take the offer up because that that would be your first red flag. Um, most prop most companies are offering at least a six month warranty, like Carolina said, and uh, uh, anything less, I think you know don't don't take them up on the offer. No, absolutely, and that's why like I would only buy secondhand equipment from uh, places like eBay and similar when I know when you have the knowledge to know exactly what to look for so that when you get the equipment you know how to test it out yourself to see that everything is all right with it and otherwise go with the dealership and you should feel quite secure being able to do that but uh, but yes when it comes to lenses i think what we want to talk about as well is like okay what lenses do you need for safari like what do you need for um for kruger for example Uh, and i always say you want a minimum of like a 300 millimeter lens to get started with. Uh, something like a 70 to 200 can work, but I think it, you'll find it quite frustrating that it most of the time won't be like enough. Just just don't have enough reach. You just don't have enough reach. Because wildlife is, you know, very rarely is it right next to the road or right next to your car, you know. Yeah, and even when it is, you still want to be able to zoom in a little bit more like you know you shoot with a 400 millimeter lens and most of the time you'll be fully zoomed in right most of the time unless it's literally like at the wheel yeah the vehicle and then we usually don't shoot anyway because it's so close and then you're just shooting in a weird angle yeah um so like i would say something like 300 mil and up is what you want to look for and i think for an intermediate uh, lens, 100 to 400 is a fantastic place to start. Uh, I also absolutely love my 200 to 600 that I'm shooting with now. And I think that is a great option if you're wanting more reach. And if you're also shooting in places where you maybe need more reach and like birds and stuff, you will usually need more reach for. So if that's the case, like the 200 to 600 is such a fantastic lens. Uh, but I also think the 100 to 400 is a fantastic option. Those are my, are my two biggest recommendations. Uh, but then, as I said, I think most fam- camera manufacturers also have a like 70 to 300, which is also a great beginner lens. Yeah. Uh, and then the 70 to 200, 
I would say that's an option if you feel that you really, really want to prioritize like a 2.8. So then you get a 7200 2.8. Um, and if that is a priority of yours, then that is a good option. Uh, but if you if you prioritize the f-stop rather than the reach, but that is kind of the priority that you have to make. I couldn't agree more. Um, but like my opinion doesn't really matter. I'm not a <laughs> professional photographer. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, in my opinion, what I've what I've seen captures the best is literally hundred to four hundred. Or um two hundred to six hundred, mm. and uh, like you said, I think those are the those are the two model of lenses that you need that that need to come on safari. Uh, almost, yeah. I would almost say is an absolute must if you're a beginner beginner like you said that at seventy three hundred, but you know if you're wanting to get those crisp sharp images, um, for an intermediate photographer, I would say a four a hundred four hundred or a two hundred six hundred is a must. Uh, but for a beginner like something like uh seven to three hundred is it will get you a long way and it also all depends on what your budget is yeah so i think that's the next thing uh you know talking about uh cameras and stuff um when it comes to okay what camera should i buy there is no straight answer to this yeah and that's where it comes back back to what you just said what is your budget find like figure out what is your budget how much can you spend or want to spend on this and then you buy the best thing that you can afford. And that is literally what it comes down to. Uh, and then, you know, from there, that's when you, like, you need to start learning and you need to start building your knowledge. But that's where you need to start. And then once you have built the knowledge of and learned more and more about your equipment and settings and all of those kind of things, you will then have the knowledge to be able to figure out what camera you want to buy next if that makes sense like once you get to a certain point in your photography where you are feeling like you're pushing the boundaries of your camera and your camera cannot keep up with your skill set if that makes sense that's when you have reached a point of needing an upgrade but you need to get to that point first you need to get the full potential out of your camera and once your camera is starting to get like frustrating to you because you're like oh, I wish I could get this shot, but I can't because my camera can't do this or can't do that. That's when you know you need to upgrade. And that's when you also will know exactly what you need and what you want. And and that's when you start looking at different models and uh, comparing things. But you will have that knowledge at that point. I think, especially when you get to that point, I think a good option for, for anyone is rent a camera for yes. two days. And think about the model that you have in mind go rent it for two days take a few shots take it out into the field and then you will understand if you win if you're wanting to make the investment or not absolutely and there's so much knowledge and information on something called the internet <laughs> honestly youtube is your best friend and this is where i mean like when you've gotten to the point where you know your equipment and you are pushing the boundaries you will have the knowledge where like you won't need like my help like what i'm gonna say is not gonna help you because you will have the knowledge of exactly what you are looking for and what you need and that's when you start researching different camera models and you start watching youtube videos and you're seeing reviews and you're seeing what and then you'll 
be able to know, okay, these are the priorities that I have for my needs and my photography. So this is the camera model that is, that is meeting those needs, if that makes sense. No, I couldn't agree more. But I hope that gives you guys kind of a broader understanding on, on what, what you need to be looking for from a camera and lens point of view on Safari. Yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that helps, and I'm sure people feel frustrated that I can't give a straight answer of like buy <laughs> this camera. Uh, but honestly, okay, if you want to know what I would say is the best equipment that I would want, it is the camera I have right now. It's the Sony A7R5, and I absolutely love it. It is literally ticking pretty much every box that I have for a camera and for photography, and. Uh, and what and I have it with the two hundred six hundred, uh, which is a fantastic lens. But my dream lens would probably be the four hundred two point eight. So, uh, if that answers your question, and if you have the budget to buy the four hundred two point eight, please buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, can't do that. No, but uh, you know, most people are like, "Oh, so what's the best camera out there?" And I'm like, "Well, There's the flagship, so the flagship's camera of each brand." And they're like 402.8 or 604. There you go. That's the best equipment. Go buy that if you want to. Um, but but that's, that's the only straight answer I can give. But I hope this helped. And uh, I hope you guys don't, didn't get tired of the like more technical chat and photography chat this time. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Until next time, guys. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the bush. About the bush, wildlife, and some cool stories. For sure. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.